And, and I think one thing that's important, and I know you've talked about this with a lot of your guests, is when you bet on yourself, you have to bet on yourself. You can't try to be John Wooden. You can't try to be Oscar Robertson. You got to be the best you can be and then bet on that and develop that. And I felt really it was important to study others, but to become yourself. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Red, and welcome to the Betting on Yourself podcast, where I interview successful entrepreneurs, athletes, and other top performers who rose to the top, took success into their own hands, and bet on themselves. Today, I'm talking with Jim Tressel, president of Youngstown State University and formerly head coach of the Youngstown State Penguins and the Ohio State Buckeyes. In this episode, we talk about Jim's life growing up poor, the incredible examples of his mother and father, his entrance into a lifelong and legendary career in teaching, sports, and leadership, and his deep, deep faith in Jesus Christ. Jim is the very definition of a leader. He's a man who's been through many trials and many successes. I'm so glad he's here to teach us what he knows. If you need an injection of wisdom, inspiration, and direction into your day, this is your episode. Here's my conversation with Jim Tressel. I'm really delighted uh, for this podcast. I've been knowing this incredible gentleman for many years now, and uh, he's had an impact on my life, uh, and I'm sure he's had an impact on so many's lives over the years. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Coach President Jim Tressel. Well, thanks, Michael. It's so good to be with you, and you know we admired uh, the way you played the game, but what I admired more was the way that you carried your life and, and, and uh, were a great, uh, really a great symbol of humility and, and uh, for young people to look at a guy with all that talent, but there were things more important than the game to him. You know, just an honor to be on, on your podcast and I'm looking forward to some time together. Yes, it's been, a, it's been a while and me and you have known each other for years while you were at Ohio State, obviously, and uh, did a number of uh, faith-based events together. And I spoke with the team a number of times with you, and we just had a great relationship over the years. And uh, I consider you one of the great leaders, not only in Ohio, but um, in the nation. And uh, the way you carried yourself over the years. Everyone loves Jim Trussell. And what's inside of you and on you is magnetic. And... Um, we could talk more about that, but I want to ask you, and you know the theme of the show, I, I'm sure by now that it's about betting on yourself. And I want to ask you, the first question is to, what has that meant for you in your life, betting on yourself? You, you know, when you're blessed like I've been and, and, uh, and some have and some haven't, but to, to grow up in a family where there was a great model, it was a great example. My father was a coach. My mother served to others every single day of her life. Uh, and as I, as I watched that example, and then I had two older brothers who were great examples, it really dawned on me that if we bet on ourselves, we could make a difference, mm -hmm. but that it had to be about others. And then that was the example I saw. And, you know, if you don't see that example, if you see the example of I'm going to bet on myself and it's all about me, there's a good chance that that will overtake the way that you do things. And, and so betting on yourself, in my mind, starts with making sure that you wrap your arms around the right examples and place the right bets. And, uh, you know, I was blessed 
uh, you know, to have unbelievable people around me, great friends, grew up in a very diverse neighborhood. We didn't have any money, uh, ethnicity. We had all kinds of ethnicity. Uh, we played sports together. We didn't know the difference between this or that. And we just knew that the team was important and we wanted to compete. We wanted to be the best. We wanted to win. And we wanted to study those that were the great ones. And that's what I loved about athletics was, you know, when I was growing up, it, was, it wasn't it was Michael Redd. It was Oscar Robertson. Right. You know, it, it was Bill Russell winning all the championships. I'm in a whole different generation, you know, than you are. But I wanted to be like John Wooden. Wow. You know, I, I wanted to win all those national championships. So I studied the example of John Wooden. And, and I think one thing that's important, and I know you've talked about this with a lot of your guests, is when you bet on yourself, you have to bet on yourself. You can't try to be John Wooden. You can't try to be Oscar Robertson. You got to be the best you can be and then bet on that and develop that. And I felt really it was important to study others, but to become yourself. That's a powerful thought. Identity is everything as you travel through life. Uh, not plagiarizing or wanting to be exactly like someone else, but being yourself, which takes a lot of courage. Was there a moment as a kid, teenager, young adult, you know, a pivotal moment where you said, hey, you know what, I got to take a, the, the, the massive bet on myself? You know, I think there were two big moments, Michael, in my life. One was when my coach sent me to a fellowship of Christian athletes camp. And I only went because my coach said it would be good for me. And whatever the coach said, I'm in. And, but it changed my life. I had a chance to hear from a guy named Bobby Richardson. He's more in the Bill Russell, Oscar Robertson era than he is in the Michael Red and, and uh, you know, LeBron James world. But uh, Bobby Richardson was 10-time all-star for the New York Yankees. He was in the World Series seven or eight times, was the World Series MVP. And he said to us, at that Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp, if the game of life ended tonight, would you be a winner? I was like, whoa. Mm. I love sports, and I knew the difference between winning and losing, and I knew there was nothing you could do about it after it was decided. And then when he said, the game of life ended, would you be a winner? And fortunately, even though I couldn't answer the question at the moment, he gave me the answer. He said, if you'd ask Jesus into your life, and allow God to direct everything that you do, you'll win. And so that was a pivotal moment in my life, a moment of confidence that, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself because I've now learned that I can, I can win. The other pivotal moment, Michael, was when I was a junior in high school, this First one was when I was a sophomore. And then when I was a junior in high school, the guidance counselor called me in and said, okay, you've got to start thinking about the future. And to me, the future was, is it football season? Is it basketball season? Or is it baseball season? <laughs> the future was what's the next season? Yeah. I didn't care about, was I going to work? I mean, I had a paper route, you know, I, I, I had some money in my pocket, you know, I wasn't thinking about a uh, career uh, and the, Guidance counselor said, well, you know, your math scores are really good. You ought to think about being an engineer. And I thought, man, I don't really, the thought of driving in a train every day, you know, being an engineer doesn't appeal to me. And he said, no, not that kind of engineer, an engineer that builds things and, and figures out. And I said, oh, I'm not real good at that. 
That doesn't interest me. He said, well, what interests you? I said, working with other people, becoming a part of a team. My dad was a coach. My two older brothers were in education. I want to serve others. My mom served people every day. Uh, and so that was a pivotal moment when I decided that, you know what, I know where I want to go with my life. I want to go teach. I want to go coach. I want to go make a difference in people's lives. Those were probably the two biggest pivots in my life many, many over 50 years ago, Michael. It's interesting because for all the listeners, it's interesting. People know Coach Trestle, President Trestle, and the last 50 years of success. And, but that was the foundation of all of this, of what we've seen. Faith has always been the core centric play in your life. No question. You know, one of my favorite authors is a guy named John Maxwell. And John's a, I'm kind of prejudiced to John because he's an Ohio guy and he used to come spend time with our teams and all that. And, and uh, one of the best books, and he's written, you know, 40 books, you know, hundreds of millions of copies. And, and, but I remember he gave my wife Ellen a copy of his leadership Bible. And he wrote on the inside of it. He said, everything I've learned about leadership, I learned in this book. And wow. I don't know if you've ever seen John Maxwell's leadership Bible, but every scripture, every chapter, every everything has a leadership direction as to how you apply uh, that scripture to leadership. And uh, you're, you're right, Michael, that's the foundation. You have to have a foundation because times are going to be tough at times. You know, you're not going to win sometimes. It's going to go the wrong way sometimes. You're going to make mistakes. Right. But if you have fundamentals or foundation to go back to, I mean, you know yourself, I can't even imagine an NBA season, 82 games, the, you know, the swings, you get on a little roll and then you start, you lose a couple, you know, and it's not going the right way. What do you do? You go back to foundation, the fundamentals. That's life. You know, life is an 82 game season. You know, I mean, it, it's, you, you, yeah. you, but you have to have something that is your rock. Wow. That's why I miss you because with these conversations, um, John Maxwell is a friend of mine and you, you know him and uh, he's been a mentor of mine over the last few years. Um, I'll get him on the podcast one day, um, but he's, he's special. And, and like you, um, I've watched you over the years. Have you always wanted to be a coach or were you started out playing football? I think there's a story about you like watching Rex, Rex Kern, who we both love, uh, win a national championship and having a Bible in his hand and, Talk about that nuance of like being a player to being a coach. You know, when I first fell in love with Rex Kern was when I was a sophomore quarterback at Berea High School, and he was the sophomore quarterback at Ohio State. And he won the Rose Bowl and the national championship, and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and he was in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, which I was a Cleveland Plain Dealer delivery boy. And so he just became my idol. And so at that moment, I think – my thoughts are I wanted to play like him, though I, there's no way I would ever become as good as him. But I wanted to try, and I wanted to be like him, most importantly. And, and the good news is, is you don't have to be tall or fast or talented or big hands or, or great throwing motion, you know, to be the right kind of person. And so at the beginning, Rex Kern was kind of my person, player, hero. I didn't really decide to have coaching heroes 
until that moment where I decided, you know what, I think in the future, I want to be a teacher coach. And then immediately I started thinking about studying, you know, folks like John Wooden and Tom Landry and just reading everything I could, uh, you know, about the people that I admired. You, you have a unique approach. It's almost like a fathering approach to, to, to the guys you've coached over the years and how you lead in general. And it's the heart of the father um, that's displayed in, in your life. Talk about fast forwarding in your coaching career to Youngstown State. And even before you got to Ho- Youngstown State, you were at Ohio State before that, I think. So talk about that journey from Ohio State to being now the head coach at Youngstown State. The, I believe it was four national championships there. Talk about that experience there before you became president. You know, you know what's interesting is, as you go through those stages in life, and I'm sure it was the same thing, stages in your 82-game season. You know, the first 20, you're trying to figure out who you are. You know, the next 20, you're, you're starting to progress a little bit. Well, you know, life is a little bit like that. And so my first 11 years out of college, uh, I was an assistant coach. And I was going to school on four really good head coaches, from Denison at Akron, Tom Reed at Miami, Dick McPherson at Syracuse and Earl Bruce at Ohio State. I was going to school on. Plus, I was learning from my colleagues, you know, the other assistant coaches. We'd spend time together. We'd study the game. I learned from my players. Uh, And so that was a part of the journey. And then all of a sudden, you get a chance to be a head coach. And it's a whole different deal. It's (laughs) like you you get to that uh, game 61 and you got a chance to get in the playoffs. Now, Mm -hmm. oops, oops. This is different, right? This is a whole different level. And and so when I got to Youngstown State, after having watched my dad all those years have all that success and and be with those four head coaches and be an assistant coach and continue to grow, I said, okay, now it's my turn to create my own signature way that I'd like to do this. And so I had done lots of reading on other coaches. I'd experienced my own experiences. Uh, I, I used to drive around and recruiting, you know, how recruiting was back in the day. They didn't have all these rules about certain months you could recruit. We recruited every day. We used to say recruiting is like shaving. You miss a day, you look like a bum. You know what I mean? So, so I would be driving around and I'd be listening to tapes of, of coaches, you know, Tom Landry and Grant Taff and, you know, Paul Brown. And I mean, you know, you name it. And so now I'm the head coach. And so I decided that, you know what, obviously we have to win some games and we want to win some games and we want to be the champion. But what is it really that I want to accomplish? And that's when we created our wheel of life, which later became our block O of life at Ohio State. And and talking about all the areas that while we had that relationship with those young people, you know, 110 young guys, anywhere from freshmen to seniors, uh, lots of different talent levels all different backgrounds from all different places. What could we provide for them? What could we assure them that we were going to help them grow in what areas of their life? And so that's when we came to the conclusion of, you know what, we've got to grow spiritually and morally and ethically. So we got to work on that. Obviously we have to have them continue to grow as family members because now that some of them are leaving home, that's never happened before. Maybe someday they're going to have a family. So we got to work on that. We have to work on taking our blessings and, and doing things for others. So we have to work on our outreach and, and those kinds of things. 
obviously we have to work on our football things. We, we want to be a great football team. We want to work on our academic things. We can be, you know, I remember coming to Ohio State and uh, I said, you know what, we're going to be the best team in the Big Ten academically. And because we, we're going to be the best at everything. And within two years, we had the best academic record in the Big Ten because we decided to emphasize it. And then, of course, you've got to work on your, your strength conditioning explosion. But we wanted them to develop health habits for life because, you know, you, you can run and jump and play football and all that. But pretty soon, someone's going to figure out you can't run and jump fast enough anymore. And they want to get the next group, right? But your health is going to follow you the rest of your life. So we decided to take all those areas of life and help our student athletes understand goal setting for the short term, plans to accomplish, and then dreams for the long term plans to accomplish. And we just always felt that, of course, we wanted to win games, but we believed that the harder we worked on the whole person, the end result, we'd win more games. If we were working on the right things, if we were working on those foundations, and uh, that's what we set about to do for 15 years at Youngstown State and then 10 years at Ohio State. And, and uh, you know, as you say, when you get back together with the guys, very seldom do you talk about this game or that game. You know, you talk about the lessons you learn from one another and, and the times where you watched one another grow and, and uh, the things that the ones I love, Michael, is when they get a hold of me and they say, hey, I'm applying today, every day with my family and my business, the things we talked about. That's wow. success. Wow. The rings, they get tarnished, you know, the, yeah. they get dust on them and, you know, all that. And you become a trivia question. Who won the <laughs> 1AA national championship in 1991? Well, the people in Youngstown know, but nobody else remembers who won that. But the less life's lessons, they go on forever. That's what it's all about. And, and the hard part about life, Michael, and you know this, is you can take over a business. And you know you have to produce. So you get nervous that you get so worried about producing. But you know what? If you built the whole foundation, you'll probably end up producing more in the long run. Society, though, is impatient. It's an impatient right. place. So it, it gets tougher and tougher. But I've always believed that you still have to have that foundational, fundamental plan in place. In fact, it, it's funny. We're creating uh, all of the various educational things in this changing world that, that our students need. And then we're trying to add things so that they can get stackable certificates. You know, like our engineering students, we want them to get a robotic certificate or, you know, our business students, we want them to get a nonprofit uh, certificate or an additive manufacturing certificate. You know, we want to stack on those kinds of things. One thing we're working on right now is to stack on a leadership and teamwork certification for our students. Because what, here's what we hear from the employees. They know their engineering. They know their accounting. They know their business, whether it's social work or nursing or you know, whatever it is you've taught them. They know it. But I'm not sure they understand what leadership is about, what communication is about, what teamwork is all about. You know, those, quote, soft skills. Soft skills, yeah. Uh, and so. We're really working hard right now, Michael, to develop a, an institute for leadership and teamwork, financial literacy. You, know, you might have someone leave here that's 
brilliant in uh, biology and pre-med, whatever. Uh, then they know nothing about, you know, finance uh, because that wasn't their major or whatever. There's certain fundamentals. So uh, to me, the exciting thing about working with young people is, yes, you want victories. You know, I want graduation rate. You know, I want them to get hired. But I also want to equip them uh, with, you know, what it's going to take uh, to make it in, in, you know, life's not easy. And I, and I want them equipped to battle. I just miss uh, spending time with you, and and I don't miss losing to your wife on the golf course. Um, you mentioned Coach <laughs> Bruce. Good. Oh, I know, I know. Me and Coach Bruce and your and your wife would go play golf at uh, various courses around Columbus, and I, I miss him. Um, and uh, obviously, I miss spending time with your wife too. So the three of us would play golf all the time together, and it was a, it was a great time. I'll never forget it. Um, you you seem impervious to pressure, Coach. So you get to Ohio State, you have this incredible success, achievement uh, with investing in young men, and then you win national championships. And then you make the move after 15 years to Ohio State. The pressure is ratcheted up a bit um, because Ohio State's a national power and the team up north, and you make that proclamation when you first get the job. And how, did you, how do you approach pressure in life? Do you lean into it? You know, I've always kind of looked at it as – I've been too busy to concern, be concerned with it. Yeah. Um, there's nothing you can do about pressure or expectation or whatever uh, to lessen it or change it or whatever. But there is something you can do about your readiness to compete and your ability to focus on what's really important. But to be sitting around, you know, let's say I'm, I want to get in law school. And I know the LSAT is the big thing. I got to pass the LSATs, right? Well, if I sit around worrying about the LSATs and worrying about it, what, what's that going to do for me? I need to study. Yeah. I need to work on it. And so I've always just been, you know, people used to always say, oh, man, you're calm on the sideline or whatever. I said, well, no, I'm at work. I'm busy. I mean, I don't have time to, you know, carry on because Regardless of what just happened, there's a play coming up. Well, that's the same thing in life. You know, I can't worry about what just happened. I didn't make that sale or I didn't get that promotion. Or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Assess where I am right now and what do I have to do to progress? And uh, I think if you, you get focused on that and just immerse yourself in what it is I have to do to get better, you know, in the course of a game, football is so different than basketball. I could never understand how you could transition from offense to defense like that. You know, we, we usually punt or something and then we switch <laughs> or whatever. So we could take our time, but play by play, you know, we would start and stop. You guys never stopped. Okay. Right. Right. So in our game, we had to get to the, to the moment where, and I think it's like life too is, Something happens that day or that week in work, okay, or football, something happened that play. First thing we have to do is assess what we did right or wrong. Did I take the right step? Did I read the right key? You know, what did I do right or wrong? And the, right off the bat, then I've got to assess what's the situation now? It was first and 10, it's now second and 12, you know, whatever. And then the third thing I have to do is, Look for the next play. 
What's the call? And they get focused on that. I can't sit and think about, oh, woe is me. We're second and 12. Yeah. You know, the world's going to end. We might not win this game. Oh, my gosh, we're down by seven points, and there's only eight minutes. You've got to think play by play. And that's kind of the same immersion I think you need in life. Again, I don't know how you do it in basketball. You play on Saturday, and then you play on Tuesday, and then you play, you know, football. It was so easy. We played one day, and then we played. We had a week to figure it out. We weren't as smart as you guys. You guys had two days. You guys had two days to figure it out, you know. But whatever your world is, you have to adapt to your world. And I'm sure you had to adapt. You know, how do you get on that plane and go to the next city, you know, and, and figure it out and not worry about what just happened or the pressure of, oh, my gosh, we're two games down for the playoffs. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Right. Well, if, if that strangles you, uh, you're not going to make the playoffs. And so focus on the moment is what we used to always say. Focus on the moment. There's nothing I can do about yesterday, but today I can get better. No, I think I think there was a calming effect because of the focus, and I never saw you rattled in the sidelines. Is there a game or games that stand out to you? You know, just as if if you ask your coach that, and then you've had 25 years worth of players, and they, they say, yeah. "How come you didn't pick that game when right. we beat so?" Or you know, when we and and here's the hard part about coaches, and you know this how we are because we're different. The ones I remember are the losses that really taught us some lessons that propelled us some unbelievable, some unbelievable wins. Sure. I mean, I've learned much more lessons from losses. Now I, I didn't like that. I never wanted to lose to have a lesson. And I always liked it where we could squeak out a win and still learn some lessons, you know, but still the, the ones that really make you suffer, you know, that, you really have to do an autopsy of, you know, what am I doing? And am I doing this right? Am I, am I going about this the right way? Uh, I can't believe I allowed myself or my team to get in that mindset where we were not ready, you know, those kinds of things. So unfortunately, I've probably got more losses that I recall, um, you know, as opposed to, to big wins. Plus, if I bring up the big wins, then I'll get a bunch of texts and emails that, when you were on Michael's podcast, you didn't even talk about it. <laughs> I, I, when I asked the question, I said, uh-oh, why did I ask that question? <laughs> Pick a favorite kid, right? So, right. Uh, no, I totally, I totally understand that. I, what has been your mindset? Because people talk about the successes and achievements. The mindset, to your point about losses, right? Um, the transition from Ohio State, um, which was one of the sad days for us, um, particularly me, you know, as a fan of yours and a friend of yours, how do you and the mindset you have to have to deal with adversity in life? You know, you know, I think that's really the mark of a person is how do they deal with the tough times? Because, you know, all of us can, you know, when we're winning and everyone's saying we're wonderful and things are going good. And, and we always talk about the, the law of progression and everyone thinks the law of progression is a linear one where you just go from point A to point B and it just it's in a straight line. Well, you know, you and I both know that law of progression is there. You go for a bit and then there's a little blip and you go for a bit and then there's a blip, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. What you've got to try to keep from having is, is a giant crash. And what I've found is you've got to get back on that road to progression, even though there might be a detour. 
but you can't allow yourself to hit the bottom because it takes so much time. You know, if, if in the first quarter of your game, you know, it doesn't go right. So you, you go in the tank for a while and all of a sudden they're up by 23. How much energy is it going to take to climb back? You know, and sometimes you've seen those games where people climb back from being down 23 and then they get to the last four minutes and they've, they're spent, right? And, and then they can't go the rest of the way. So handling adversity, I think, is a mindset of getting back on the road to progression, even if it's a little different road than what you planned. I was fortunate to have a great mentor in my life. His name was Dr. Patrick Spurgeon, and he was an old retired English professor in Georgia Southern. And I'd gotten to know him through the 1AA ranks, and Georgia Southern was like the kingpin when we were trying to become the kingpin. And so uh, he, he just became a mentor that I would talk with on the phone a lot and so forth. And so right after the Ohio State situation, I'll never forget what he said. He said, I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but your greatest impact you're going to have in your life is ahead of you. Whoa. Like, oh, now wait a minute. I just was the head coach at Ohio State for 10 years. No, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. How how can you have more impact? He said, now, the greatest impact you're going to have in your life is ahead of you as long as you believe that. And to me, that was the operative statement. It wasn't like it's automatically when you have adversity, the things ahead of you are going to be better. It's not automatic, but if you believe they will be, and then you go to work making them that way, that can be the case. And so uh, I think it's a mindset. It's a, okay, this is the situation, you know, and so what are you going to do? And I, I just saw a cartoon someone sent me uh, on the email just uh, yesterday. It had a little elementary school, and it had, as you come in the hallway of the elementary school, a whole group of mirrors, and it said, the person who will have the most to do with your future or your outcomes or your uh, career or whatever is the person you're looking at. It's up to you. And so it's not a matter of if any of us are going to have adversity. It's a matter of when, and most importantly, what are you going to do? You know, one of the hardest things, and you've been through this, when you work with world-class athletes, like we did at Ohio State, you played with at Ohio State in the NBA. The day ends where you're not a world-class athlete. Just the way it is. The adjustment at that moment can go one way or the other. And it's tough. And that's about, I don't care how much money you've made or any of that kind of thing, that when I'm not adored like I was, or I'm not, people aren't coming, paying to see me play, or they're not sending me fan mail anymore. How am I going to adjust to that? And to me, it's a mindset that goes all the way back to what's your foundation. You have to count on that foundation. And, uh, you know, without that and without strong people around you, family, you know, friends, uh, everyone's your friend when you're playing in the NBA. When you're not playing in the NBA, all of a sudden you don't get quite as many text messages. That's right. Right. I mean, that's just, you know, it's just the way it is. I'm no longer the head coach at Ohio State. You know, you're not getting some calls from some people you used to. That's right. And, uh, so you have to s- surround yourself with the right people. And 
And, and you know what's really neat? And you asked about what was one of the best games or whatever. You know, we had gone to the national championship at, at Ohio, at the Youngstown State in 1991, 92, 93, and 94. And we won three of them. Okay. And we didn't go for two years to the playoffs. We didn't go to the playoffs, let alone the championship game. And then in 97, we went back to the playoffs and won the national championship. And I remember my mentor saying to me, you know, it's one thing to climb to the top of the mountain like you did. And you climbed and you stayed there for four years. That's a long time to be at the top of the mountain. And then you came tumbling down. Most teams don't make it back up anytime soon. You guys made it back up to the top of the mountain in two years. That's an extraordinary feat. And I think it's because our people handled adversity. It wasn't, well, you know, this or that or other people's fault. It was, what didn't we do? And, and you know what's neat, as Michael, as we talk about fundamentals, after we went four straight years of the national championship, then had a poor year the next year, we went back and we looked at every practice schedule. We said, it's got to be our fault because we have talented guys. So it's got to be the coach's fault. And what we found is we had veered away and we had spent a little less time in fundamental periods. We were doing more group work as opposed to those fundamental things. And we'd allowed our practice schedule to slip just by inches. We always say, you know, you slip in inches. You never just fall off a cliff. You slip in inches. That's so good. And we were slipping even when we were winning because we were taking time away from the fundamentals. Then all of a sudden we graduated 26 seniors and we hadn't worked on the fundamentals with the kids returning. And they were just as talented as those kids we lost, but we had not built their fundamentals. And so when we talk about how do you handle adversity in life, it's through the, you know, the, the competency of your fundamentals. What's the same thing in basketball or football. You've got to have those fundamentals. And, and, you know, when you read about all the great players, you know, if they really thought about how did Michael Red or Michael Jordan or LeBron James or, you know, whomever get good, it's the stuff you didn't even see. Them work, you guys work on your fundamental. People think you, you were born Michael Red. Well, you know, no, that's not the way it is. Just, there's many people that had your height, weight, speed, yep. right? Better. Yeah, yep. better. Yeah. Yep. But you worked on your fundamentals. And so I think that's so critical, especially when you hit those devastating moments. You know, when, like, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, I can't believe that happened. Can it get any worse than this? That's when your fundamentals really are called upon. There's so much sage wisdom in what you just said. Um, I can go a myriad of directions on what you just said, but with all of that and transitioning, um, which you become really, really proficient at, <laughs> you return back to Youngstown State. Uh, in a different capacity as the president. Uh, tell me about making a bet on yourself. And that's massive bet to become a president of a university. Talk about that experience. And obviously you're doing a phenomenal job, the team you have now. Talk about that initial feeling. You know, it was really interesting, Michael. I said after June of 2011, we're not at Ohio State now. What are we going to do? And I said, you know, I'm going to read 100 books because I don't know, you know, I mean, I've coached a lot. I've been there, done that. I got lots of rings. I don't need any more rings. You know, I wonder, you know, what's, and then 
Jim Caldwell called me from the Colts and he said, hey, we don't have Peyton Manning. He's out for the year with a neck injury. We're not going to win many games. Could you come over and help? Maybe we could win a couple. And Jim, I don't know if you know Jim Caldwell, but one of the greatest human beings I'd ever made. And I couldn't turn him down. So I went over there for, for uh, as a quote consultant and, and all the while thinking about, you know, what do I want to do next? And mm-hmm. spending that year in the NFL was helpful for me because it realized I wanted to work with young people. You know, NFL's great, NBA's great, but it's different than it is yep. young people. Totally. The world. So I thought, no, nah, I think I'm more suited, you know, to work with young people. And so then all of a sudden, a couple of small colleges wanted me to interview for their presidency. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> so I went and interviewed and I listened to the questions and I tried to answer the best I could. And, and I left both interviews thinking, you know what? I'm not sure I have the experience to do this as well as I would like to. So I'm probably not going to get called back for the second interview anyway. Well, in the meantime, University of Akron called and said, hey, would you like to come and be a vice president? And we've heard that you're interested in higher ed. You could really come and learn. I said, boy, that sounds pretty good. Well, then those two smaller schools called back and said, hey, you're in the final three. We'd like you to come to campus. And so all of a sudden panic set in. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not ready. So I'm going to go to the University of Akron. And what a blessing to spend two years as a vice president learning, going to school on it, seeing if I like it, seeing if you can make the impact, all those things. And then wouldn't you know it, my old stomping grounds, Youngstown State, the president who had just gone there left after six months. They were traumatized. I mean, how could someone come and leave them at the altar? And so they were looking for something that would calm know the feeling of the community and the university and <clears throat> they asked if I'd interview and and uh, I thought you know what I don't know if I'm ready but I'm going to bet on myself because I've, I've been going to school on this I don't pretend to know everything I'm going to keep learning uh, and I, I know that I can calm the, the nervousness about do we have a president who loves this place because when you get jilted like that, you say, well, are we unworthy of love? I mean, is this person left in six months? You know, you start having doubts about yourself. I said, I know I can prove to them that there's someone here that loves them because I loved them for 15 years and, you know, that hasn't changed. And, and uh, it's been a learning curve ever since. I'm finishing my seventh year. Uh, in fact, it was seven years ago yesterday that I told them that, yes, I'd come. And it's been a blur. Uh, but, you know, I've learned a little bit every day, uh, hopefully tried to serve them, uh, been betting on myself. Uh, it's gone well so far. But boy, you know, higher education has a lot of challenge, just like every business. Uh, the COVID thing was a challenge. I mean, that was you talk about uh, having your world flipped upside down. Uh, but, you know, we became closer. You talk about adversity, what it does to you as a team. Well, you've been on those plane flights where you just lost two in a row on the road, and all of a sudden you either became close or it all blew up. Yeah, and uh, so it's it's been quite an experience. Well, you answered my COVID question and the pressure to lead in that moment. Um, yeah. yeah, the safety. You know what really made you nervous was we knew so little about it. Yeah, and you know. 
we have such a variety. We have people all the way from 70 years old to work on this campus to 18 years old that, you know, go to school on this campus. And uh, meeting the needs of everyone, meeting the um, trepidation of everyone. We have students that, you know, have a grandma they live with at home. And, you know, they're petrified that, you know, am I going to take this and, and, you know, kill my grandma? And, and, and so all of the decisions we had to make, uh, we found a real togetherness amongst the 14 public universities in Ohio. We met twice a week on the phone as it began. Uh, we met once a week after that, and we still meet two times a month on the phone, Zooms, you know, and so forth, to see how we can give each other ideas, you know, to, to do things properly. Because while we want people safe, we also want people healthy mentally. And, you know, putting someone locked up in a room at home uh, or, or whatever, there's a, there's a, it's a tough balance. And uh, so, yeah, I think 2020, we're all going to remember. I mean, it's, uh, can you imagine the kids in college right now, Michael, when they were like um, 10 years old or eight years old, we had the recession, the big, you know, bubble in, in the world. Lots of people lost their jobs and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then 10 or 12 years later, now they're in college or in elementary school, that happens. And they don't really understand it, right? They get to college and this happens. In their 20 years, there's been some, some adversity. And it, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see the net effect of that and the confidence level and, and the belief in the foundations. And, and uh, you know, so it, it's, uh, I, I always tell our people here, you know, there's no time more important for us to be with these students than, than this moment. I, I think it has the makings of being the most resilient generation um, in the world. Um, they're either going to be resilient yep, or they're going to not. Correct. You know, Correct. And unfortunately, we've got to make, <clears throat> we've got to, uh, <laughs> got to tilt it, uh, you know, toward the direction of, you know what, I can't get tougher than this and I'm ready, you know like when you play an opening schedule that you play the top teams, you know, and it's like, Hey, you know what? That's right. We got through that. You know? <laughs> and so we're going to be fine, but we have to keep doing our work. Yep. Last question for me, uh, with all that you experienced, um, in your career, your personal life, uh, being married, being a father, being a husband, what would you share with your 16 year old self? Any advice? You know, it, it's the bottom line is how you treat one another mm -hmm. individually. Uh, you know, we talk a lot in society about societal things. But societal things are nothing but an accumulation of individual things. And I want you to be a part of the right individual thing. You know, I know there's going to be some things around you that aren't, don't seem fair, don't seem right that you may, you know, not feel good about. But first and foremost, you take care of your business. You know, and if you take care of your business and then the people around you, there can be a ripple effect. Uh, and, and that's, to me, uh, a message that our young people, uh, there's a personal responsibility to the team. There's a personal responsibility to the society. And we can't count on someone other than ourselves to do the right things. And uh, 
you know, it, it goes back to that personal leadership. If, if you can lead yourself and leadership, you know, as we always talk about, it's the action you take to serve others. So if personally you can serve others, personally you can develop yourself, you can make a difference. There's nothing to add to that. It was an honor, Coach Trestle, to have you on this podcast. We all love you here in Ohio. I love you and appreciate you. And uh, your legacy is, is uh, that love. And uh, so appreciate you, sir. That was always the thing at the, at the top of all of our whiteboards. We could put all the X's and O's we wanted. The word love, that's above everything else. So I appreciate you, my brother. Yes, sir. An honor. All right. And I'll get Ellen down to take your lunch money. <laughs> you don't love me but so much. And she, I, I know she certainly doesn't. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, give her my love and, and, and tell her I said hello. Please do. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for doing this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, listen to every single one of your podcasts. Please do, sir. Thank you so much for that. And let's right. stay connected. Take in contact. Yes, okay. All right. Jim said, it's important to study others, but to become yourself. I can't think of a better note to end this episode of the Betting on Yourself podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jim. You can follow Jim Trussell on Twitter at Jim Trussell 5 Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Michael Red, And remember, betting on yourself is the secret to your success.